Hello, welcome to the Rogo Tours podcast. My name is Chad Durham. My name is Jacob Hampton. And we are counting down our 10 favorite coming of age movies. With Jake and I are both teachers, and it's our graduation time for many, at least for our part of the country, and coming up soon even for other parts of the country as far as high school goes. And so we thought it would be a pretty uh, opportune time to discuss a genre that's that's really been around for a very long time in, in various iterations. The idea uh, in most coming-of-age movies, which we'll talk about in a minute, high school age or teenagers kind of coming to grips with what life is, learning tough lessons and happy lessons and kind of, you know, getting close to adulthood or reaching adulthood, depending on, on the movie. We'll, we'll delve into that in just a minute. And also with Olivia Wilde's directorial debut coming out, which is called Booksmart. Um, which seemed to also be timed perfect, yeah. purposefully to when a lot of high schools are graduating. Jake just saw that movie, and so uh, I, I thought we'd start out with him giving at least a brief, a brief rundown or recap of some of his thoughts with Olivia Wilde's uh, movie. Okay, yeah. It's been literally like two hours since I got out of it, so <laughs> as fresh as can be. And uh, I, I truly loved Booksmart. It's uh, hilarious. Um, it's also heartwarming, which uh, is something I didn't necessarily expect going into it and was okay with that. I I thought just based on the marketing, it would be more emphasis on humor, but in hindsight, it made sense that it was also a very uh, you know emotionally based movie as well. Um, so, uh, I, I will spoil that I actually will end up saying more about it later today, <laughs> uh, but absolutely go see it if you have ever liked a high school movie or, uh, any coming of age movie, which we're going to delve into more here as far as what that means, but, uh, it's, it's definitely one of the best high school movies I've ever seen. Um, and, and the hype is, is huge. If you've looked at any, like, uh, kind of consensus from critics and stuff, it's been, hugely well received um i would say you know it it kind of reminds me of um just with critical reaction and subject matter of, of ladybird in a way where yeah. i think a lot of people ladybird was you know critically was hailed as like you know, one of the best movies of that year and i think people went into it maybe thinking it was going to be something more than just a great coming of age movie and maybe we're disappointed i would say kind of same thing here it's not going to like you know, totally subvert your expectations or anything like that, but it's, uh, it does what it sets out to do so well. Um, and it's, I think as good as it can be for, for what it is. Quick. I know you said you, you're going to delve into it later, which is awesome. Quick plug for Olivia Wilde as a director. She yeah. did a pretty good job. She, you know, she, what, what, what she did, did you see? Um, yeah, I would say as I should have looked. Did you happen to know off the top of your head if she wrote it as well? I don't know off the top of my well, head. We'll I find out. But... I, f I feel like she did. Yeah. But I may just be assuming that. So I'll, I'll kind of look it up here as I talk. Because I would say if she wrote it, then I'm extra impressed with her individually. If she only directed it, then it's very competent. But I would just as if we're talking, you know, like notable style or flourishes or anything like that, there aren't really any. It's sure. kind of a very... Straightforward. Standardly straightforward uh, direction. Right, which isn't bad. It's no. just there's not a, not, not necessarily something to go, wow. I Nothing was... calls attention, yeah, right. with the direction, but the writing is, you know, whip smart, hilarious, 
Um, so she actually didn't write it, but okay. <laughs> but it's I mean, all good. But still, we're not making fun of Olivia Wilde. It's uh, fantastic that you made this movie. But still, I'd be absolutely excited and happy to see what she does next. Right. Um, but I would say, as far as highlights in the movie, it's it's the writing and it's the performances that make it as great as it is. But yeah. But if Olivia was in on like you know, the music choices as a director, I'd say that was a, a, a great thing. Uh, yeah. The soundtrack's just uh, very hilarious, uh, funny cuts with the editing of when songs kind of like start and stop and uh, play with funny moments that way. So I, uh, I just read Entertainment Weekly's review about an hour ago where it said 40% of the movie is the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't mean it as a, a, as a backhanded compliment. They were saying like it really ties into what the movie's yeah. trying to do. So. Yeah, it's huge. So what would you say then, uh, let's just jump to kind of your definition of a coming-of-age film. So uh, let me say really quickly, a lot of critics and news magazines and even people will just throw out that term. Oh, it's a coming-of-age movie. And I think there are a lot of you know nuances to that. But what do you think falls under that umbrella yeah. of a coming-of-age film or movie? It's kind of a tough one, because uh, as I made my list and tried to have a consistent definition, I kept finding that I wanted to make exceptions, yeah. like no matter what my definition was, yeah. but I, I ended up settling on the broad uh, definition of a movie that is about the passage into adulthood. So right. you'll see how I stretch that a little bit on a couple sure. of my choices, but uh, generally, that that's how I defined it. So okay. I'd say, you know, you have characters ranging from usually main characters uh ranging from 13 to 19 ish right with some some exceptions sure even 13 is probably kind of young especially looking at my movies but yeah um yeah just uh movies about young people trying to i think you said earlier like figure out what life is or something like that or um just coming to terms with adulthood basically and uh and I, I, for my list, I, because I looked at this huge mega list of coming of age movies for some inspiration, and yeah, they had, sure. they had a lot of uh, genre movies on there, and I ended up deciding to only uh, stay with ones that are grounded in reality. What can you give me one example? Perhaps um, so, like Harry Potter. Okay, yeah. Or, um, or a more, more weird examples were like, like It Follows was on there, and I'm like, oh, interesting. So it's just. Yeah, looking at that, I was like, That's well, it follows, doesn't yeah. feel like, it, in my gut, that doesn't feel like a coming-of-age no. movie. But I, I mean, mean, you can see what they're saying, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, when you said that, like, oh, interesting choice, yeah. you know? But it, but it would be fifth or sixth on the list of genres that I would apply to, okay, maybe not yeah. fifth or sixth, but third or fourth on list of genre I would genres right. I'd apply to that movie. Yeah, so, so for my definition, I was like, well, I'm only going to go with ones that... Uh, are not only relatable themes, but are literally relatable as for teens growing up, yeah. probably specifically in, you know, at least middle-class America, where it's very much like, here is dealing with uh, what life brings you. Nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot to add to that. Like, I think the best coming-of-age movies, too, and this isn't, I guess I'm not necessarily categorizing, but maybe just kind of adding kind of what I've looked at or seen. And maybe you can jump in, too, if you want to say... Here's what you lean toward as, as kind of like this made it good. But the idea of being nuanced, the idea of not being necessarily plot driven. And I'm not saying I have a couple that are kind of plot driven, mm-hmm. but a lot of coming of age films are not that way. They're like slice of life or yeah. 
not necessarily a day in the life, but sometimes, sometimes a week in the life. And, and then others might even take a lot more. I have, a, I have one or two on there that have a lot bigger time period of following somebody from pretty young to, to even older than we're, we're talking about. I, I actually, um, one of the ones that's on my list is what you're thinking of, but I was thinking of a different okay. one when I'm I said like it. I'm just like mentally matching up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One, one, the one I was speaking of is from the last couple years. Okay. Like two <laughs> or three. But okay. then the one, the other one you're thinking of is even higher on my list. Anyway, um, uh, sorry. But I, li- I think that the best coming of age movies are nuanced and, and really have to delve in for me to, to stick out to me. Generally speaking, I, I might have some exceptions on the list here, obviously. But to the heartbreak part, because I think it's so... Growing up is such a like confused and hard time. And I'm not saying I didn't have great moments and stuff and like my parents were great and everything. But there's so much emotion and angst and hormones and misunderstanding as well as understanding of what it means to be an adult and what it means to be mature. And I I especially like movies that I feel like can shine a not even realistic but an accurate light on what that's like. And, and I think the best coming-of-age movies do that. Um, and, and for me, I did lean toward... There was a couple that I, I took off the list because either the protagonists were younger. Jake and I texted about this a little bit, and I'll talk about some of those in a minute. They were more genre films. Or my enjoyment of that movie, while related to some of those coming-of-age moments, um, expanded a lot beyond that. Like, oh, it also did this, it also did that, it also did this. Some might see that as, as a, you know, as making it better, right? Oh, coming of age for this one character is an important thing, but also this other thing and this other thing, wow, that makes it a more well-rounded movie. But most of the time, I moved off things where I felt like the coming of age ultimately took a back seat. Okay. Or at least shared the front seat, if yeah. you will, with something that was maybe a little bit more important or of similar importance. I know that was kind of vague, but... Cool. Um, can we talk real briefly as well about like why we think these movies, um, I don't know why we like them as yeah, people, please. you know, cause like, uh, I think they work just as well f- uh, if it's good, it usually works just as well for adults as it does for, you know, teenagers teens or, or yeah, people who are the age of the protagonist. Yeah. So, um, I, I know for me, it's like nostalgia is a pretty heavy factor. I think yeah. these movies are a great way to take you back to an experience you can no longer have, such mm-hmm. as graduating high school yeah. or, you know, having your heart broken for the first time or whatever it is. Um, and then I don't know. Cause I think there's a difference between probably a lot of the movies we're going to talk about compared to a movie that's just aimed at teens. Oh yeah. Just teen characters. Agreed. Right. So yeah, do you think Booksmart transcended? I know you've already mentioned that we're going to hear about it later, I, I know. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it transcended? Yeah. I know I'm like saying too much about Booksmart when you have to talk later. but I really do feel like it did, yes. Nice. And I'll, I'll even specify why later. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. No, I, I love that. I'm glad you brought that up, that idea that it can, it can appeal to both like sets of people, if mm-hmm. you will. These aren't movies that we're going to name at least, right? These aren't movies that are appealing to the lowest common denominator or trying just to be like, pardon the phrasing, but naughty for some teens or like, oh my gosh, like, and I, well, no, I don't want to say movies I didn't see, but like, I stayed away from not raunchiness, raunchiness is fine, to borrow a term we were using earlier, but if that seemed to be its whole point, that wasn't really my vibe, right? Yeah. 
that can definitely come in because a lot of I think a lot of coming of age movies do deal with sex and sexual experiences um, for the first time, not for the first time, as a as a pretty seminal part of growing up. Um, but if that seemed to be the only focus, some of those probably didn't make my list because I, I I think I appreciated a broader reach and maybe because it didn't wasn't as relevant to my experience as a teen, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, same, I would say. Yeah. So, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do love these types of movies. And and when I, we get to the list, my first couple are very nostalgia-based, and I'll be very clear about that. That if I was going just on movie making and um, acting and relevance and resonance, I, those bottom two may not have made it. But they were so important to kind of me in in those ages and stuff, and right. have continued having that connection. That I was like, I got to clear these last two spots for these. Um, well, yeah, we'll get to that. Cool. So I'll I'll name some that that was my paper. Sorry, I'll name some that didn't make the cut. And if do you have some of those yeah, as well? I have, I have a kind bunch. of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned earlier. So the kind of for me the holy trinity of little girl coming of age <laughs> movies. Uh, the Florida Project, Beasts of the Southern Wild, and Whale Rider, which all mostly kind of didn't fit the definition, although I have such esteem for all three of those movies, and if you listen to the podcast, you know that. Um, uh, Edge of Seventeen, nice. which I really liked with Haley Steinfeld. It didn't quite ascent. Plus, it's so recent that it's harder for me to include it when I don't know if it will still feel that way yeah. to me after a while. And I still struggle with the fact that like the teacher drove her home. It's such a weird thing, but it's still it's still in the movie. It doesn't matter. Moonrise Kingdom, <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. and that was because a lot of the quirky things are the things that really shine through for me. Not necessarily the crux of them coming of age. Clueless, which is just funny, but never really resonated with me that much. I like it a ton. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which was one I really wanted to include because I think it's more coming of age than we talk about. Uh, but genre, we you talked about that earlier. Juno, which is one of my hardest cuts, but again, for me, at, it is coming of age, but it feels like there's a lot more going on to me. Yeah, personally. there is a lot. Um, the Professional, which is kind of like a like a low key coming of age movie for Natalie Portman's character, but she's also pretty young. And then my hardest cut, which I spoke of earlier, in my various rankings and moving things in the days leading up to the podcast. I had it sometimes as high as five and ended up pushing it off the list. We've talked about it before on the podcast. In fact, even dedicating an entire episode to it. What is this? Um, but for me, it, it was what I mentioned earlier. Ultimately, like the coming of age is so important to the movie and the movie works so well as a coming of age film. But there's so much else going on and we dedicated a whole friggin' hour to it with a bunch of guests. And so I was like, I feel like we've said all we need to say. And and ultimately for me, like there's there's the music aspect, there's you know, like the relationship aspect, there's the mom aspect mm-hmm. with Francis McDormand. So almost famous moved slowly down before I didn't give it a spot on my top ten, which really hurt because I just cause I love it so much. Okay. So Surprising. that was a lot, but I had a lot, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a bunch of cuts as well. Um, I did notice uh, throughout all these movies that I'll mention, uh, both in my actual list and my cuts, there were very few that actually were like released and that I saw during 
like my high school years. They're oh, actually yeah. all pretty much either older, like before my time or after my high school time, which is kind of, I just found that interesting. Yeah. It probably speaks more maybe just to the, what was released at the time. I feel like we sure. didn't get very many classic coming of age movies in like uh, the mid uh, 2000s to late 2000s, which uh-huh. is when I was in high school. But. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, here are my cuts. So, uh, uh, ones I considered were uh, American Honey from a few years ago. Yes. Uh, it's just so unique, but uh, honestly, I just don't remember it well enough. I only saw it the one time, and I was like, I couldn't talk about it. But I remember being like, this is a really good coming-of-age movie. Yeah, yeah. When I saw it. Uh, Love, Simon, I've seen a few times. Yeah. Um, I think that's a nice example of, uh, you know, a modern one with a twist. Uh, but for me, there's nothing. it's just not a, a super amazing, great movie. I just think it's kind of... Um, by the book in every other way except for the, the that, main gay thing. Yeah, that they're gay. <laughs> and, that, and that was like, I, I don't remember if we talked about that. Cause I, I don't think we ever we have talked about that. Or what, but um, when my wife and I saw it, I, sorry, this isn't on either of our lists, but I love it. we were really glad it got made. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I'm glad that we've taken the first step. Yeah. And I mean, some people out there might take exception with that, but you didn't have a lot of straightforward romantic comedies featuring gay protagonists or a gay protagonist. Totally. They were always a side character in, in such a movie. So yeah, Love, Simon, like, overall is fairly pedestrian in the story other than that important one aspect. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, we had to take, I shouldn't say we like I was involved. The, <laughs> Hollywood had to take the first step. Yeah. To hopefully then allow more a more nuanced portrayal, even if it is a romantic comedy, to allow a more nuanced right. portrayal of such. And, and there have been nuanced portrayals, of course. And I saw Call Me By um, Your Name on a lot of coming-of-age lists as well. And so, but Love, Simon feels very straightforward, yeah. other than he's gay. It does. It was kind of random, but since, uh, I don't know if it'll be nuanced, but have you heard of that... Uh, a future, uh, like, Judd Apatow, one of his next few movies, is going to be a romantic comedy... A gay romantic comedy starring Billy Eichner. Yes. Which is I like, did hear that. Yeah. I, I forgot, though. I just saw it on same, Twitter. But I am excited about that. That's yeah, for sure. Uh, Billy Eichner yeah. made a bunch of funny comments about it on Twitter, as I recall. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. just being Billy Eichner. Yeah. Which I mean in a, as a compliment. Right. I think he's, he's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. Um, okay, sorry. Other cuts. Uh, this one, uh, I liked a lot when it came out my senior year of high school, but it's just kind of fell off for me since then. I, I haven't seen it as much. I don't think it's a great movie. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that Zach one? Zach Galifianakis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's a nice one. Uh, the Perks of Being a Wallflower, mm-hmm. um, I definitely considered. Uh, it is, I would say it is one of my favorite coming-of-age movies. Um, yeah. Very recent one, uh, mid-90s, which yeah. was on kind of the... I was going to uh, ask you about that. It was on the, it's on the younger end. The kid's only like 11 or 12, yeah. but I do think he's forced to... Uh, come to terms with adult things uh, throughout the movie, but yeah. kind of the same thing as Florida Project. I feel yeah. like maybe it didn't quite uh, work out age-wise. Mean Girls, I'm going to count. Um, okay. And uh, just throw in there as a mention. Yeah, I, yeah. I do think it's one of the best I feel ones. that, yeah. Uh, Lady Bird, I love, but it uh, didn't make it. And then my last cut was American Graffiti. Ah, American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. What a soundtrack. Yeah. Nice. So there are my cuts. Let's do this. Okay. Okay, I'm going to start with my number 10 for this reason. I mentioned earlier, in no way would I defend the writing of this movie. I, I wouldn't. It's very, it's very straightforward, and it's, there's kind of the archetypes that they, they trade in here of all of these characters. Everyone fits like the stoner, you know, the straight arrow kid, the hot girl. Like, they all fit in. 
but 100% this movie came out when I graduated. Oh, it okay. came out my graduating year, 1998. There was a girl I had a, a huge crush on at the time and had had a, you know, angsty, you know, lovelorn crush on almost my entire high school career. We'd been very good friends and I just couldn't tell it. That whole thing uh-huh. was a real thing for me. Right? Yeah, nice. And we went and saw this movie together. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I have the soundtrack. I've had the soundtrack for years. And when I think about it, even though the movie doesn't earn it, and I, I want to be very clear, and I know I'm putting it at number 10, but it just has to do with it's all personal on this. The movie doesn't earn it, but it just reminds me of being in high school because of all these factors. Okay. Um, and I do like a lot of the music in it, even though it's not necessarily iconic, and that is Can't Hardly Wait. I don't Starring think I've even heard Jennifer of Jennifer Love Hewitt, who I also had a mad schoolboy <laughs> crush on. Um, Ethan Embry, Seth Green... Charlie Corsmo, um, and another kid I can't remember, uh, directed by, I think, Henry Alphonse and Deborah Kaplan. And, and it just, like, when I see it, I think, like, oh, Chad, what a sad high school student you were. But it, it has such nostalgia for me. Just when I think about it, and I think I've only seen it twice, and I'd like to watch it again, and I, I can't stress enough. Like, it's, it's not a great movie and you know exactly where it's going and it hits all the beats um but it just it feels so vital to me because you know 17 year old me was just like because it's about a kid who's had a crush on this girl and he's never told her and they go to this big party at the end of the year and he has this goal to speak to her and actually do something you know that type of thing and they have all these side characters who are who fit all these stereotypes that we talk about um and it's kind of the end of high school thing and this idea of you want to leave high school, but at the same time you can't let go of, or don't want to let go of those ideas, people, yeah. easiness of you show up, you go to school, you mm-hmm. go home, and that always happens. And I, and I think that's what ultimately still kept it in my top ten, is it does pay tribute to all of those tropes, not necessarily in new ways. But in ways that seventeen-year-old about to graduate me sitting next to this girl I had a crush on for have always spoken to me. So awesome. My number ten can't hardly wait. Wow, I can't believe I haven't even heard of it. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not that great. Okay, so you're not ur- urging no. me to see it. No, no, no. I mean, if you want to see it and just kind of be like, oh yeah, Chad's right. It's not that great. Um, but again, I like. I had so many because I didn't like act on any. Crushes I didn't date very much in high school. I don't mean I'm fine, guys. I'm fine, but but at the time, um, I had so many crushes on these actresses, like many people do when they're when they're young. And Jennifer Love Hewitt was one that I had a crush on all of my high school, and she plays the hot girl in it. So that also seemed to like for me culminate like yes, she is the unattainable, you know right. that type of thing. So okay, uh, we're doing my number ten. Yeah, you go ten, and then you can hit up nine after that. Okay, so my my ten is iffy, maybe. Uh... To be nope. included. No, nope, we may. You I made know. it. You do it. I okay. Don't okay, worry. you're right. Sorry, I'll be. Own confident. it. I'm just kidding. I'll own it. I kid. I kid. I kid. Uh, be, just because of the age of the protagonist, so maybe more of a coming of age into full on teenagehood as opposed to into adulthood. But uh, my number ten is eighth grade. Yeah, I knew right then. Oh, just right then. That just that's, right. That's what yeah. It was, that yeah. That's what it would be. So yeah, I just everything about this movie feels so. Uh, the emotions and the themes at stake here feel so precisely coming of age, uh, story esque to me that mm-hmm. I just when I, 
I put it on the list. It, it felt right, even though oh, she yeah. is she's younger than most of the characters we'll be talking about in these other movies. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you have the school setting, right, which is a big uh, contributing factor, right, to of these course. to these movies. Of course, it seems um, like it, right? Yeah, and so I think the the things that she uh, her I can't remember the main character's name. Um, Oh, yeah. But uh, Elsie Fisher, the actress. Yeah. You know, yeah. just the things she comes to term with, uh, terms with, I think, are very relatable. And w- I think we've mentioned eighth grade on the podcast before, so I've, pr- I've probably given my spiel about it. But it's just amazing to me that it feels as relatable as it does being set now, right? And, you know, about a, a girl in eighth grade and just how much I feel like I relate to that, even though I'm not as young as her now. I... I even though I'm 25, which is still very young in the scheme of things, I I already feel out on, you know, the internet culture and stuff that teenagers have now. And so um, I was just so impressed with that movie that it's still, it was so easy to put myself into her place and empathize with her and uh, and go through school with her. And so uh, that's my choice. Yeah, I talked to a couple of my English teacher friends today, including Daniel Potter, who we've had on before. And I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing any, you know? Mm-hmm. I do that. I went through all my movies. I looked on my wall of movies at school. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't shortchanging something. And that was one that uh, Daniel brought up. Really? Well, he just okay. mentioned, like, don't forget, eighth yeah. grade. Which I'm glad you had on, even though I didn't include it. Mm-hmm. Just because of how uh, uh, tied in, I wanted to think of it, like, plugged in it is to what coming of age means. Yeah, exactly. Even though she's younger, for sure. I, there's no way that you can't call eighth grade a coming of age yeah. movie. You would be lying, right? If you it's didn't what call it is. It that. It's about her yeah. learning things she needs to learn about life to be able to mature yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. grow up. So. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Do you want to hit up nine? Oh yeah, the, I'll hit up nine. Do the serpentine like we do. Yeah. So my number nine was one of your cuts. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, and I so I did put almost famous. Oh on yeah, my, oh, on my so list. Good. So, so great. I can see I understand with some your amazing coming of age moments. Like yeah. you, you know, I was surprised when I ended up cutting it when we get to the higher ones that they just had, but oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you have it. And I I can see why you would cut it though cuz uh, during our podcast about it we talked about how Patrick is that the main character's name? Uh that's his real oh, name. Oh, that's the actor. Yeah. That's right. That could be his name in the movie too. I don't know. We should totally know. Yeah, we should know. Patrick anyway, Fugit, the actor. <laughs> um main yeah, main character how he's kind of more of a uh, observer, fl- yeah, observer of these other more interesting characters, and he is the one that would be, you know, the coming of age yeah. focus if that was what you want to classify the movie as. Yeah. But I do think uh, just kind of a, an, an opposite way of eighth grade, right? Eighth grade is very much the uh, mundane, you know, going to school, uh, average life thing. I think yeah. Almost Famous does capture that uh, kind of whimsy and adventure of doing something crazy when you're a teenager, right? And, uh, doing the unexpected and, uh, experiencing, uh, the world for yourself instead of, you know, letting it come to you. So, um, that's ultimately why I chose it. I just think, uh, not that I ever, you know, went and toured with a band when I was in high school, but, but, you know, we all do little things in high school where it's kind of like, uh, this taste of what it's like to actually be yeah. out there, uh, living freely on your own. So yeah. I love how Almost Famous captures that. Yeah, yeah. I love that explanation. Thanks. Because I was thinking about some of my favorite scenes, which are him kind of trying to come to terms with, like, with his crush on, on Penny Lane and, mm-hmm. and kind of understanding why they're treating each other this way and him being kind of naive. So it's all there. But I love that idea that it's a, this different kind of coming of age. It's not the mundane. Yeah. It's coming of age in a different way, finally, maybe not finally, but stepping out, doing something different, willing to take that risk on something that not a lot of people get to do. So, yeah. awesome. Yeah, thanks. 
Um, so my number nine is also the. I told you these two were pretty nostalgia based. This is also this is a much better movie than Can't Hardly Wait, and actually a pretty well regarded coming of age movie. I watched it when I was young, and not to be too whatever, but um, the original movie's rated R, and I was young, and it was on TV when things got edited. Right. And it's the first rated R movie I ever watched, edited or unedited, right? And so I just remember there was this sense of like, oh, wow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's a, it's, it's a tame R-rated movie, but me being like, whoa, you yeah. know? And I was young enough to kind of appreciate, because they're, uh, I don't know if they're in high school yet either. I haven't seen it recently enough to declare for sure, but I think they're a little bit younger than high school. But they were they deal with all these adult things. I think I know. And like they are silly and they're like having fun together, but they like it's it's not even like mundane things either. It's like dead bodies and you know like you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I think and I know so, literally what you're talking yeah, about. And Maybe. so and so I remember as a kid feeling the coming of age for me watching them go through it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, life is dealing with this, the unexpected and like <laughs> the tragic and the, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I felt that and I felt kind of like I, plus I'm watching this edited rated R movie mm-hmm. and like I am understanding right now what coming of age means, which yeah. is so silly at that age. And that's Stand By Me, yeah. Which you knew, right? I did know. Directed by Rob Reiner and starring a lot of famous um, young actors at the time. Um, and... Yeah, always had a special place in my heart, uh, even even before Can't Hardly Wait, of just like me trying to comprehend the world yeah. by watching them try to comprehend the world. And and Rob Reiner, he was always a, a, a fine director, and I think he brings some nuance, especially to his older stuff. And even if you've seen Flipped, which he also directed, uh-huh. which I considered for this list, it's based on a book, and it's, I know I didn't say it got, because it didn't quite make it, but it's also a coming of age a, a, a film, and I think that he is good, even though he's he's even older now. When he made Flipped, he's a lot older, um, but he does a good job of understanding what it's like to be on their level. Um, and I think Stephen King, also the short story that it's based on, which I have not read, um, is known for some of that nuance as well. And I think you see yeah. that you see that in the in the script and in the performances. Sweet, yeah. Uh, great. Oh, I'll do, I'll do eight. Your eight, okay. Yes, my eight almost got cut. And you mentioned it as one of yours that got cut. No way. And the reason that I almost cut it is just because it is very coming of agey. And, <laughs> and it's, it's based on a book. And the movie is written and directed by the guy who wrote the book, whose name I've never learned to pronounce, Stephen Chbosky or whatever, um, who wrote Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, I didn't realize he directed and, the movie. Yeah, he did and wrote it. Wow. Yeah, cool, huh? Yeah. And that's why I think it's a pretty accurate um, adaptation. He yeah. didn't want anyone else to screw it up. But obviously it deals with some pretty heavy themes. Yeah. As, I don't want to be too spoilery here, but the main, the protagonist has been through something that you don't really realize until pretty late in both the book and the movie. And that's almost why I didn't keep it, put it on. But an aspect that some people, I don't want to say relate to, that sounds terrible, but people go through that. Yeah. Obviously. With abuse, not to not to act like I'm dancing around it here. I just didn't want to be spoilery. Yeah. Um, and he's dealt with some abuse in his past, and that ends up being very important to what goes on in the movie. And for a while, I thought like, is that too important? Where it de-emphasizes kind of the what? And I'm like, you know what? No, like that's a, just a different experience yeah. where people are forced 
to come of age in scary and terrible and hard to understand ways. Right. Um, but there's enough of the other two, I think. Yeah. With him dealing with kind of his, you know, his crush on Emma Watson, with uh, what's the guy's name who plays the Flash in the DC movies? Um, now I can't think of the actor's name, but I know the character's name is Patrick. Yes, yeah. Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, with his friend Patrick being Ezra gay Miller. and he, Ezra Miller. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, and him dealing with that, and then there's yeah. a closeted um, gay oh, kid right. that that, and so they kind of show both sides of that as well, and how because it takes place in the. Is it 90s? I think it's the 90s. 90s. Yeah, Yeah, Wallflowers. I think they play the Wallflowers. Uh, In the 90s, the music's really important to it. And a lot of these really do rely on that music to bring that nostalgia, that that relevance. Um, And so I ultimately kept it on. It was... And and it's a moving movie, I think. And it really, I think, grabs a hold of you and you feel like you know who these characters are, which also kind of helps me. Oh, that's kind of like this kid I knew or like this kid I knew or... Someone I've seen in my classes now, yeah. something like that, um, and that's I think important to me. Kind of uh, taking away something, even though I'm older, like I can still see, like, oh yeah, or that's me now, or man, what it must be like to have to deal with something like that while coming of age as a high schooler yeah. and having to make sense of this terrible thing that you were, you know, coerced and forced into yeah you're making me sad that i cut it honestly because <laughs> i do think probably even more than some of these movies i uh, that are on my actual list i do think the perks of being a wallflower um even on the surface level without before you hit the you know uh deeper reasons for for things yeah with the abuse and stuff um i do think just on the surface it's one of the best examples of uh how a coming of age movie i think probably more than other movies really puts you uh, helps you relate to the characters, right? Yeah. It's like it's very uh, a coming of age movie. Very intentionally uh, wants you to be like, oh, I went through things like that, or I, you know, can relate to that experience. Yeah. Um, and so I just think it does such a good job of uh, highlighting the loneliness you can feel as a teenager yeah. in high school, and uh, and showing I think how. You know, either giving hope to younger people that you can still have a great high school experience, even if you are shy and, uh, you know, scared to talk to people or whatever, whatever your thing is. Right. Yeah. Or or for people past high school, I, st- I think it's nice to recognize, like you said, people like that that you knew or yeah. or even just as a nice, you know, kind of sadly nostalgic fantasy to, you know, wish you'd had those kind of friendships yeah, yeah. i don't know it's just it's nice good, good so. performances yeah from from the kids in that yeah i don't mean to call them kids a lot of them are older than that mm-hmm. um i that was very condescending of me yeah, uh, but they're playing by, by the too, actors so. and actresses mm-hmm. in that i think they're they're very subtle performances yeah cool all right are we on to my uh eight? number eight yeah i think this one's gonna be a surprise i'm and, into it and maybe and stretching the definition <laughs> um my number eight is uh we mentioned on a recent podcast of ours it is E Tu Mama Tambien. Oh, yeah. That was on, like, tons of lists. Was it? Oh, oh good. yeah. Okay. And I was going to mention it in my cuts, uh-huh. but I realized, you know what? It probably wasn't as close to me as I would have pretended. It was more because they saw it on so many lists. I right. almost wanted to mention it. Okay. But, yet, but, no, I totally think it fits the definition. Yeah. 100%. Um, probably one of the weirder examples, right? Because it doesn't... I mean, first of all, it's a foreign movie, right? So I think so many of these movies we're talking about are very much grounded in, like, the American high school experience, yeah. right? So This is very outside of that. It's yeah. very outside of that, but I do like that it's... Um, a, but, but a way similar to a lot of these movies is it's uh, basically centered around a friendship, you know? Yeah. 
um, and kind of just the dynamics. I think the dynamics of teenage friendships are so interesting, right? When you're in this place in life where it's like you, you're not in a place where you're going to have like a romantic partner that you're, um, you know, committed to for life, right? A lot of people act like they do, but generally your friends are the ones who you're spending all your time with. And it's, you know, these really volatile ups and downs, um, and emotions, uh, at play. So I always find stories about that interesting just because it's, it's all that matters to you a lot of of times in that moment. And people are selfish and sometimes they're not. And it's just, it's fun to watch. And I think that movie is just a really peculiar and a good way. Um, example of, of, a teenage friendship. Yeah. Obviously, you have a bunch of other weird elements at play with the, you know, the third character that's yeah. uh, in the story, but I I do like that it's this kind of odd coming-of-age story. Yeah, so. well, I mean, obviously, and we talked about it before, and if you've heard of E2 Mama Tambien, you know it has a lot of sexual elements, yeah. obviously, which make it, though, an interesting story. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean all of you want to go watch E2 Mama Tambien, um, but it adds to kind of the portrait of these kids yeah with this third element or this woman yeah. introduced into the story and then kind of how it affects their dynamic both personally socially and sexually yeah um so there's obviously they deal with a lot of very adult themes in that way but i still think it's very coming of age just yeah. ultra mature for those coming of age themes and tropes that we see exactly dealt with in ways where you're surprised just because you don't often see a movie deal with them on the level yeah like that exactly yeah nice so Fun. Okay. Yeah. Good one. Uh, do I do my next one? Yeah, now? go for All it. All right. So, yeah, before you get too shocked about how high I'm going to place it, my number seven is Book Smart. Which oh, nice. I mean, it's a brand new movie, right? Yeah, but still. Can't, can't make it number one necessarily. But <laughs> uh, I already said I loved it, right? Um, so, Book Smart is uh, completely centered on a friendship. That's kind of the whole point of the movie, aside from the fact that they are uh, wanting to. Uh, have the fun they never had in high school all the night before graduation because they realized that uh, other people partied and had fun and still got good grades, um, which is a, a hilarious premise in my opinion. And uh, it is it is a little over the top in the movie how successful everyone else is despite their partying, <laughs> but uh, I think it is still just a even on a, a small scale a relatable premise of like, well, I want you know it's not fair. I wanted to you know have fun but I worked hard so it's not fair that these other people got you know the same thing I did or better so right um anyway uh the uh, the central friendship in in book smart is is a really beautiful one it's um the writing is so good the characters are fully formed from the beginning and and by the end of the movie you really feel like you know who they are um, I like those actresses a lot too yeah do you Edie know Feldstein from Lady Bird and Caitlin Devers from Short Term 12 Oh, which yeah, I almost included thing. here, but it's not. I mean, it is coming of age, mm-hmm. but it's a little more drama than coming of age, which I know is a weird distinction to make. But. Okay, I haven't seen that one. Or Devers, I've never heard it said out loud. I don't uh, know how you pronounce your last name. Okay, but uh, oh, you've never seen Trick and Treat? No, you definitely should. So this is my Side first time note. seeing this actress, but I loved her. She's uh, she's yeah. really great. Um, Billy Lord, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, has or yeah, uh, has a hilarious just kind of running gag throughout the movie. She's a minor character. Um, and I, I won't spoil, but, uh, she's really, really good. Um, and kind of unlike I've seen her before. So yeah, it, the movie definitely has tropes, um, you know, that you see in these other movies, you know, yeah. culminating in a big party and yeah. there's drama that happens there. But, um, but there's a lot that's fresh about it as well. You know, one of the two main characters is lesbian and it's not, 
it's never used against her, which is something I really like about this movie as well, is it's the humor's all very positive, yeah. but it's still, to go back to our word, raunchy, which sure. I think a lot of, uh, you know, raunchy teen movies, I think from uh, kind of past decades and stuff, maybe haven't aged well in, like, the social yeah. issues department, so I just like how this one shows they can still kind of, they can be edgy uh, with humor without having to resort to degrading people or making it all insult-based. Nice, Which yeah. has a place, you know, but, sure, like, sure, sure. but uh, I just was really impressed with how this movie was so funny, nice. but it was never mean to its characters, so. Yeah, I just read something today that called it Lady Superbad, combining Lady Bird and oh, Superbad, nice. <laughs> um, which was just interesting. I have not seen it and want to really, really badly. I was trying to get it in before this podcast just so I could at least engage about it even if i didn't include it but it's gotten so much so many rave reviews yeah uh critically twitterly and just from people i've talked to about yeah. yourself within the coming of age sister. framework though just everyone yeah. keep that in mind yeah, 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 this yeah, isn't yeah. gonna so, blow your mind but right. it's it's really good um just a perfectly executed portrayal of that feeling of uh what do i do about my best friend when high school's ending. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be the same. Which so. is a thing, right? Which mm-hmm. is a worry. Which yeah. is a... And sometimes a legitimate one. Yeah. Nice. All right. I'm on my number seven. Uh, my number seven is fairly recent and I guess could... Some might, I guess, categorize them different because it is a genre movie. Um, but even within that genre, it breaks convention. My number seven is Sing Street. Oh, nice. Um, directed by John Carney and written by John Carney, um, which is a musical, um, but not a musical where the characters sing about yeah. what's going on. But what I really liked um, is the way that it used, like, their, the way that they're using music is kind of figuring things out, is looking at these other bands, liking what they're doing, trying to do it themselves. And I, I, I thought the music really helped with that. It's positive and it's upbeat. Without skipping over, though, the fact that there's some pretty tough stuff. Like, you have some characters who've been dealing with stuff, and it's not in your face with the sadness or the tragedy, but you see it, and he's been, and he deals with these authority, with this authority figure who's, you know, using kind of religion and, and control to stop him from exploring what he wants to explore. And then you have his crush on the older girl um, that maybe seems kind of schoolboy-ish, but ultimately grows into something real. And not to, you know, have a spoiler alert, but at the end of the movie, like, there's this kind of triumphant moment where they go, but also they have no idea what's about to happen. And so it's used as the, like, almost like the stepping point for that adventure that we see in Almost Famous. Like, they're stepping out, but it's not like, and then it's like, but who knows what's going to happen. Sad things could happen. Great things could happen. Terrible things could happen. They use the music as a weapon against some of these things, you know, as far as, like, protesting this, this you know, headmaster or whatever of the school that they're at. Um, and so I like the way that it, to me, was very firmly in the coming of age um, genre, but yet didn't ever feel that way in a way that was reliant, I guess, on what came before. Like, there are tropes there for sure, but somehow those tropes felt fresh when looked at through this musical lens. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It, it feels so much like a coming-of-age movie, but also not. Yeah. <laughs> at all which yeah yeah that's a great choice i didn't even think about that it was one of my last ones um in scanning my oh oh i like the way that it does the coming of age thing and so much so in a way that i never even identified it that way consciously 
but it immediately felt right that like oh yeah I think it fits in this yeah genre. absolutely yeah okay my number six I think I mean I saw it on multiple lists I know that it's not I don't know it's not the first thing that would come up I guess for some as far as coming of age but my number six is Moonlight nice. directed by Barry Jenkins um, a very different uh, format I guess yeah. for a coming of age movie and he starts younger than we are normally talking about, and he ends older than we're normally talking about. And it's in those three parts. And, um, but the middle section, he's in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously a very specific experience for this young gay black man um, dealing with kind of like the, the stereotypes and the culture that he lives in. Dealing with social aspects with his mom and, uh, on drugs and stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that could keep people out if they're like, I don't see myself in in that. But I think Barry Jenkins, as well as the three actors, as well as, um, oh, I can't believe I forgot her name. Uh, who plays the mom? Naomi. Naomi uh, Harris. Harris. Thank you. Naomi Harris. They do such great work. Plus, it's not always about relating 100%. It's about understanding. Yeah. It's about empathy. Um, and I think that's what I really liked about this one. Similar to something like Beasts of the Southern Wild. So outside of what I've had to deal with as a middle class white person. Um, that I really, I, I liked that I got to see the coming of age. In someone very different from me. In a way that invited my empathy. In a way that was still relevant as far as loneliness. As far as dealing with crushes. As far as first experiences of things. Yeah. Um, there, That still spoke to me. And then such nuance in Moonlight. Mm. Especially in the third chapter where you kind of see what the coming of age led to him yeah. being as an adult and realize that like, oh man, these experiences took him into a place that you wouldn't expect or you wouldn't want him to be in and he wouldn't want himself to be in. But because of what he went through, this is where it led him. It's almost like, you know, forced coming of age, I guess. I don't know. That, yeah. that, that didn't really work, what I was saying. But anyway, um, yeah, one that I loved and um, really glad it exists as a coming of age film. Great. That was my six. Okay. Are we uh, on the mic? You're, you're six, I think. Okay, right? so I'll do six and five. Yeah, do it. Okay, I'm going to kind of make the case here for a couple of... <laughs> Post high school coming of age yeah. stories. Um, cool with it. So with these ones, I'm gonna highlight that the definition is basically uh, having to come to terms with the real world and having to be an adult. So in these two cases, they're not high school students; they're already adults, but they maybe have experience in these in these movies that uh, make them grow up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so my number six is uh, actually a drama. A lot of these have comedic elements, but the, uh, my number six is Brooklyn. Oh, nice. Yeah. How old is she in that? Is she in her I early 20s? She's got to be. Yeah. Uh, very late teens or early 20s. I think of her so. as being late teens. Mm-hmm. That may not be right. But she's definitely not in high school. Because she, yeah. you know, she leaves Ireland, goes to America to basically try and make it. Yeah. Um, so, um, anyway, but uh, when I when I saw it as I was scanning, I was like, it, it feels totally right to me because of the themes that it addresses. Um, which are, I guess, you know, it is evident that it, it's a step past high school because it's more, it's less about... Uh, how do I, you know, leave my friends or whatever, things like that uh, in the school sense, but it's more about, like, 
what is the definition of home? Um, you know, is it okay to feel at home somewhere other than where you grew up and where everyone provided you with yeah. your upbringing, basically? Uh-huh. Uh, and I just love that about that movie. And it's a romance at heart. It you know, it's uh, there are two romantic relationships that drive the story forward and the com- conflict that comes between those two things. Uh, they one each represents you know home and one represents a new a new life, but. Um, it's just, uh, that movie makes me cry. I think I've talked about that on the podcast before, but I think not just because of the nice emotions of the romances, but I think it really hits home on, uh, those questions of, you know, how much responsibility do I have to staying around with my family, you know, just cause they brought me up and they want me to stay. Is yeah. it, uh, so Which I, Which is a relevant coming of age question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just maybe a slightly more mature one than a lot, uh, mature meaning like later in life, I guess, than, yeah, yeah. than uh, these other things. But Nice. Yeah, so that's uh, my number I've six. I've only seen that once. I feel very sad about that in this moment. You should really rewatch yeah, it. Definitely. It's uh, cinematography and use of color is just like... Awesome. Mind-blowing. So, nice. Uh, now we're going to the top five. Yes, so my number five. Do it. Also an uh, older age one, but um, my number five is Francis Ha. Oh, nice. Have you ever seen no, it? No, I know okay. the movie. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Noah uh-huh. Vombach, right? Yeah. Um, is it? Mm-hmm. And what's her name? Lady Bird. Uh, oh, yeah. Director of Lady Bird. Brady, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Frances Ha is definitely... Um, it's a questionable inclusion, but I think it's a coming-of-age story for being in your in your mid-20s, really. It's uh, like a post-college coming-of-age story. And I know that may sound crazy, but basically the main character is very... Uh, it's, she's still living like she's in high school, basically, when we meet her in the story. And so, I th- it's... I feel like it fits the definition just in a weird way. Um, and so the movie's just kind of about her, uh, just like a lot of these movies, friendship drives the story, and specifically friendship being tested by uh, paths diverging. Um, and uh, yeah, the whole movie's just about uh, her, Frances, having to learn how to be an adult even though she already is one. So, And it's mainly a comedy, so yeah. um, it's kind of, it's very self-deprecating and uh, it's as you start to see that she's realizing that she kind of see, like looks ridiculous to people around her because she is still living like she's a teenager basically on her own but very uh very much kind of maybe being too naive about her career aspirations um not working on them in a realistic way and you know is she actually talented enough it asks those kind of questions um she wants to be a dance choreographer i think um but uh yeah so I really love that movie. I haven't seen it in a few years, but I watched it like three times pretty soon after it came out because I just related to it so strongly and uh, and loved it so much. Um, and it has that bittersweetness of yeah. uh, letting go of youth and, and the friends that uh, come with youth. Yeah, if you, I, I mean, like if the movie, if these movies don't trade in some bittersweetness, like I feel like they can't call themselves yeah, for real. coming of age. Like that mm-hmm. is, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, that is required. Mm-hmm. You cannot ignore... Like, it, it's cool to make an upbeat movie. I love some upbeat movies, and some of these that we mentioned in very positively. Um, but if you if you don't tap into that vein of melancholy that sometimes courses through teenagehood or young adulthood, mm-hmm. you're not really doing justice to what, you know, what life is, yeah. for that matter. because that's what coming of age is, I yeah. think, is realizing, is learning how to look forward to what's coming next, but also being sad about what you're yeah. losing and leaving behind in the and process. And dealing with those deep emotions, mm-hmm. being able to process them and yeah. move on 
or not move on, I guess, in some cases. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, my number five is a genre film. Like you could, some people might describe it as a mystery. There are some action elements. And it, it didn't show up on a lot of the lists, but I wrote a piece a long time ago, back when we used to have a website for Rogo Tours, about how it was a kind of a cool, a cool kind of coming of age story where you have this a young man coming of age and dealing with a lot of things. And you also have an older guy, older than even we were talking about with Francis Hahn stuff, where he is in some ways in like a state of arrested development. So he also has to come of age while being a mentor to a kid coming of age. And you could argue that there are so many other elements here that it pushes it out of the coming of age genre, but I'm not making that argument. I'm arguing that it stays in it, which is Jeff Nichols' Mud. Oh, cool. um, Starring Matthew McConaughey and Ty Sheridan. Um, Oh, he's one of the two boys in that? Yeah, he's the main kid. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and Reese Witherspoon. Um, And Sam Shepard and even Michael Shannon. Um, And I've made no secret of my love for Mud over the years, and what I like is the way that it balances all of these different genre elements. But I think that at its heart, even more than Almost Famous, for, for me... Um, it's about this kid kind of understanding the world. Um, you could easily, like I said, come in and debate with me about how there's too much of the other stuff, especially after I ended up cutting Almost Famous off of my list for that reason. But I think Ty Sheridan is really great in it, and he has another kid who's like his friend, and they are also live in kind of a place that um, you know I don't know a lot about, some a southern, I don't remember exactly where it takes place, to be honest. And um, in this case, for me, a lot of the, uh, those other genre elements of the mystery and finding out who Mud is, played by Matthew McConaughey, and dealing with the people coming after him and them kind of helping him, ha- helped to amplify for me the coming of age of, of Ty Sheridan's character. And it's, it's uh, buff, not buffered, that's not right. It's also enhanced by Matthew McConaughey's character doing his own coming of age at a much older age. Um, him kind of dealing with the mistakes he's made and this this um, ideal version he has of Reese Witherspoon, he kind of holds her above all else. This this character that he's he's you know loved for so long and the things he's done for her, and realizing in some ways that that idealistic view that he has does not match what life is. Um, and so I still I had to include it even though. There's a lot of other stuff going on. A lot. Right. And the climax is much more, you know, will Mud get away? You know, who's Mud? And, and, you know, some of the other relationships. But there's enough with Ty Sheridan and him kind of dealing with his friends and his, like, a little crush that he has. But I see it more, too, as him watching this character of Mud and learning and saying no to that and yes to this and understanding that, you know, people are feeling their way through life just as much as he is, even when they're 20 years older. Awesome. So ultimately, kept it. Kept it at number five. Uh, my number four is Dope. I'll just oh, jump right okay. in and say Dope. Directed by Rick, never known how to say his last name, Famuyiwa, or something like that. It's different, it's stylish, and I like the way that it's not the same coming-of-age lessons that we kind of expect. Um, and yes, there's, there's sadness and stuff, it's, I would say, weirdly, it's a lot more upbeat than a lot of these other ones, even though they deal with all of these um, tough moments as they're trying to 
get these drugs where they're supposed to go, etc. I was going to ask if the titular dope is drugs. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, because okay. you haven't seen it. I haven't seen right, it. Right, right, right. It's great. So it's not great. just referring to slang of saying, oh, that's dope. It's, it's both, but okay. it's, it's, it's meaning drugs. Okay. Um, and he has his two friends, um, one played by uh, the, the girl and woman from Hearts Beat Loud, um, who plays oh, uh, yeah. Nick Offerman's mm-hmm. daughter, Kiersey Clements. That's her real name. And then Tony Revolori from um, Grand Budapest Hotel is the other friend. Oh, okay. And they're like in a band. And what I loved about the movie, loved, 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 and I've spoken of it before multiple times on here, is the messages you come away with are just so different from what you normally see in a coming-of-age movie. It's about him kind of figuring out that street smarts equate with smarts. Book you know, smarts? yeah, Could with book smarts, yeah, you one could say <laughs> that street smarts equate with book smart. Now he's very book smart too, but he lives in this this you know, so I think it is Southern California if I recall correctly, the Southern California world. And he does have like like many great coming of age movies, he does have like a crush um, that he cares a lot about, and then there's like another girl, and there is some like delving into you know the idea of sexual experience and stuff. Um, and his friends kind of get to have some coming-of-age moments as well. Um, but it ends in this kind of swaggery place that I really like. That's not normal for a coming-of-age movie. Where it's, it ends with him kind of like... I, wouldn't, I don't know if I want to say triumphing, but like ending on the other side like, Oh no, I'm ready to roll. Like, I have learned what I've needed to learn. Which I thought was kind of cool. Like, the, some of the other ones I have are very ambiguous... And you don't know where are we going. We still haven't figured it all out, but we're going to keep trying. And there's an element of that, but there's also here with him going like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bad, eh? Well, I could have just said that. But, um, <laughs> and, and I have made it through all of these things, and, and guess what? Like, I'm more prepared than I thought, which I thought was a cool kind of way to, to zag instead of zig. Yeah. So, yeah, really, if you have been intrigued by dope or you watch the trailer and you know, you're like, Ooh, that looks kind of cool. I would definitely see it. There's so much style to it. Um, that made it a very different kind of coming of age movie. Sweet. Um, I need to see that one for sure. Yeah, definitely. You should check it, should check it out sometime. Okay. I'm going to open a drink. Yeah. So anyone. <laughs> okay. Uh, my number four, uh, actually shares. Oh yeah. We're rolling. You're rolling to the top three now. After yeah, this. I am. Yeah. Uh, my number four shares elements of my last couple, some from Brooklyn and uh, Francis Ha, as far as themes go. Um, so uh, my number four is Columbus Ooh. from uh, 2017, yeah. which, I mean, has two Still leads, basically. It, love, to. Um, love to. Yeah, so it focuses a little bit more on Haley Lou Richardson's character, who is at a more coming-of-age age. John uh, Cho is the other yeah. lead in the movie, and he's older, but um, anyway... Uh, I think Columbus does a great job of capturing uh, this kind of like this. It's post high school, but it's uh, she hasn't gone to college, and the movie it's very weird and like meandering and uh, in some way sometimes plotless. But it uh, as often coming of age. Yeah, it's true, but it's in a weird in a different way than a lot of these are. But uh, it does address this idea of, like, why hasn't she gone to college yet? Like, why is she still just living in her hometown, working in the library, and that's all she does? Um, and so, 
I, I just really, I relate to the movie, even though I, I have gone to college and I have a job, but I, I still live in my hometown, and sometimes I, I get that vibe from people. There's uh, one conversation in particular that she has when she's working at the library with someone who comes in, uh, and it's one of her classmates from high school that's just visiting in town, um, and uh, it's it's Columbus, uh, Columbus, Columbus uh, Indiana, that the movie title comes from, not Columbus, Ohio, right. so it's a small town, basically. Um, and, uh, her, anyway, this classmate comes in and is like, uh, so, like, what's next? Like, so when are you leaving, like, basically when is life gonna take you out of our hometown, you know? Like, why are you still here? And, uh, the main character, her name's Casey, uh, is very much just like, well, no, like, I like it here, and I just, the, the, the movie has some interesting perspective on things like that. Nice. Like, you know, maybe it's okay to be happy where you are. Um, I won't say, you know, what happens by the end of the movie, but, um, I think it's very Francis Ha in that way, just not comedically, but this thing of like people questioning like, oh, why aren't you in a, you know, more adult place in your mm -hmm. life? Um, and then it also has the Brooklyn thing where uh, her mom is a recovering addict. And so that's why she feels the need to stay in uh, in her hometown. But uh, yeah, it's just nice. it's uh, very it's it's a slow mover, but um, definitely a recommend. You actually reminded me of one that's not on my list, and it's not. I'm not trying to say it should be or anything, but you could categorize a movie that I have high esteem for, even though a lot of people don't like it. Let me get that out there. Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. As coming of age for Natalie Portman's character, that just dawned on me, because there's a similar moment in there where a guy comes in to the store. Uh -huh. He's like, oh, you still work here? What are you doing? She's like, working. Yeah, right. And he's like, oh, what'd you... Because you were this great musician. What'd you do with that? And she's like, no, eh, you know. Right. Um, anyway, Sorry. That just when he said, I was like, "Oh wow, Nat Natalie Portman's coming of age in that movie." It's she's post high school. Yeah, it could be very much a coming of yeah, age. Yeah, that style. is very similar. I mean, very different. And I think a lot of people in high school can relate to that. Like seniors, as they're coming up on graduation, I think there's this pressure of like, "What's your next? What are you gonna do?" Plan, you know, like, like I always try me... and clarify. Like I'm like, yeah. I want to know what you're gonna do next, but just know, I think it's fine if you're just gonna, yeah. you know, I work at Ridley's or had whatever. This conversation <laughs> with a girl today. Because I was like, sometimes people are apologetic to me, students. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. No, I don't care. You own it. I'm just curious. Yeah. I'm curious. If you're going to college, awesome. If you're not, cool. Where are you going next? Oh, you're going to stay around here? Awesome. Right. You're exactly. working? Cool. You're staying at home? Awesome. Like, I would just, I genuinely care about you, and I was just curious yeah. what, what was coming next. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Um, cool. Okay. We're hitting my number hitting three. to the top three. My number three is one of your cuts. My oh, number nice. three is Juno. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so it was one you uh, said what had a lot going on, which I do agree Just with. Fine. Um, yeah. You get a lot of attention on characters other than uh, Juno herself, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Jason Bateman and uh, yeah. Jennifer Garner and even uh, Bleaker, Michael Sarah. Yeah, but the reason I included it, um, I mean, it's so high because I love the movie. It's such Just, a great movie. Yeah. Um, and the reason I included it as a coming-of-age movie is I, I do feel that ultimately her unplanned pregnancy and you know giving birth and giving up her baby i think it's it's untraditional but it is ultimately a story of her coming to terms with the consequences for her actions yeah. and you know the real world and oh, uh, definitely and you know I, she, there's even the quote you know in the movie like she's dealing with things labor beyond her maturity level or whatever uh -huh. it is so uh yeah i i think juno for uh it came out what, 2007, right? And so I, I saw so. it in high school. I wasn't in high school quite yet. I think uh, I was, you know, just about going into high school when it came out. But I watched it a couple of years into high school, and it was definitely, I think, for me, a really impactful and good uh, 
look at like oh here's like what adults are dealing with and that's actually you know can be me not that I could have gotten pregnant but just like you know uh, I think it was a good glimpse into maturity and like you know what consequences are so nice yeah great great explanation I love Juno like I said with Almost Famous I'm glad they're on your list so we could talk about those coming of age (laughs) elements that I ultimately you know chose something else in, in its place Oh, all right, three and two over here. Uh, my number three, uh, one, uh, argu- arguably one of my favorite movies of all time, and there's a lot of comedic elements in it, and some characters that sometimes take the spotlight away from our main character, but I've also talked to multiple people who felt like the Way Way Back really spoke to them as far as going through things, um, dealing with family things, um, dealing with... Uh, it might be divorce, or it might be, you know, uh, a family member passing away, which is not the case here. Um, and dealing with adults putting expectations or ideas on you, and, and etc. So the way, way back for me is, uh, I've, I've said this on the podcast, I said it to Daniel Potter just today. Every time I think of it, I immediately want to watch it. It's I, I have such positive feelings toward what uh, Jim Rash and Nat Faxon did as writers and actors um, and, and directors, excuse me. They're in it and they wrote it and they directed it. Um, and I can't remember that. I think the kid's name is like Liam Gallagher. Hmm. I can't I remember right now. Yeah, I was actually going to look him up earlier and I totally forgot. I'll check and, right now. And, and the reason it's not two or one for me is because Sam Rockwell does steal the show. and But Sam Rockwell, similar to Mud, has his own kind of coming of age to reckon with. And I think that's what I like about it. It's kind of this concurrent thing again where he's realizing, oh yeah, like I'm kind of in a state of arrested development. And he becomes this mentor to the kid, which at first is played more comedically and ultimately has some like emotional beats that I think work really well. Um, and and the whole, like he called, you know, dealing with self, self-esteem and self-doubt, that always speaks to me as someone yeah. who, who, who dealt with that a lot, not to any clinical degree but who dealt with it a lot as a young person, even still in some ways. Um, and you have the girl that he kind of likes and you have some of their moments that I think really well. She's dealing with some dysfunction and some weirdness, you know, if you will, uh, with her friends and her family. And so it, it touches on a lot of different things and ultimately is a very positive message of you'll be okay yeah. moving through these things and, and kind of the reciprocal relationship when you can find a mentor or someone that you really can vibe with who can kind of help you navigate and, and understand that world. So, Sweet. number three. Is that his name? Uh, IMDb is being slow. Oh, no, you're totally But fine. while it's loading, I'll just add... So I saw that movie once, and it's been, like pretty soon after it came out, so it's been a while. But yeah. I do remember it was a really like, nice portrayal of that... Uh, that thing of when you're kind of like Perks of Being a Wildflower, where if you're, a, you know, a lonely or shy kid, that uh, that feeling of like actually being wanted by a person yes, or group of people and feeling yes. and feeling like you do yeah, fit in. And I guess you. as cliche as that sounds, no. but just feeling like maybe not feeling like you fit in with like the popular crowd or what you're supposed to fit in with, but just finding yeah. your people, whoever they oh, might yeah. be. Right. Yeah. That's no, thank you. That's a I, I appreciate you articulating that as far as the everyone he works with there. It's the only place he feels happy it's the only place he feels like he fits in yeah and they have that in a culminating moment where he just takes off and just wants to be there and and it's i love the climax of it because it's very untraditional as far as what you would expect from such a climax right um it's 
yeah, him just running off to do this kind of crazy thing at the at the water park because that's that's the place where he wants to be and he can't believe he has to leave it yeah. to go back to regular life. Liam James is his name. Liam right James, thank you. I had the first name right. Totally. Oh, Liam Gallagher's from Oasis. Oh, that's where I jumped. My mind just went to that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. He hasn't been in much. I don't think. No, it's not. It's being slow again. But yeah. I mean, man, I, he's really I good in it. He he hits the awkwardness. But not overly awkwardness of that character really well. Right. Okay, my number two uh, was in strong contention for my number one. And it is not a very famous movie. And it's one that I haven't watched for years, but I watched many times when I was a kid. When my wife and I were dating, I was like, this is a movie you have to watch. Because to me, it is important as far as like life. And it's about this kid uh, finding a mentor in someone who's probably not the greatest mentor. Not because he's in Arrest Development, but because... He kind of represents some bad things. Like, he's not that great of a person. But our main character, played by Brad Renfro, really kind of just idolizes him. Idolizes his effortless cool. Idolizes the way it feels like he can get whatever he wants, you know, women-wise, etc. And though he ultimately understands at the end of the movie, that's not what I want to be. He also kind of learns that being an adult is not always standing up for the right. It's a very ambiguous type of ending that I love so much. And in fact, I only have it on VHS, which is a travesty. And right now I'm like, I have to buy this movie because I haven't watched it in a long time and I've always watched it on, on, on VHS. And it features just a, a brilliant performance from Callista Flockhart, who is... Uh, formerly Ally McBeal and she is actually a side character in this but she really anchors the movie and then a really slimy but fantastic performance from Kevin Bacon as this radio DJ who takes these bribes and gets all the women that he wants anyway this movie is called Telling Lies in America mm-hmm. directed by a guy named Guy Furland or Furland um, and I have such esteem for it that I was I really was kicking myself earlier that I haven't watched it multiple times over the last however many years it's been since I watched it because I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid and 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 uh, I think I may have even talked about it in our underrated movies. Yeah, I recognize um, the name of it. Yeah, and I, I used to recommend it to everyone in a certain era of time. And it was a movie, too, introduced to me by Siskel Niebert back in the day and I had to go to an art theater in Long Beach to see it Ooh. because it wasn't playing in in main places and I was just entranced and enthralled bought it the first moment that I could at like this kind of like not upscale but um back when we used to have movies movie stores which we don't much anymore um like I it was I'm sure they were shocked that somebody bought it it (laughs) you know we have every movie here and they just sit there for a long time and like oh telling lies in America I was so excited um quintessential coming of age and yet so not quintessential and that's why i almost gave it my number one spot um which i'll talk about mine in a minute you'll hit two and one and then um i'll talk about my number one but i can't recommend telling in america enough if you want to see a very unambiguous realistic accurate outside of your experience but also it takes place in the 50s Outside of your experience, probably for most of you, and yet touches on so many things you, you've seen. An ultimate realization that we want to be good people, but sometimes that requires us to not be good people. Um, I, I love it, and, and it, like we'll watch it probably in the next two months simply because I was like, oh my gosh, how can I not have watched this movie once a year for 
the last however many years. Brad Renfro's great in it. Um, yeah, love it. Okay. That's my number two. And you've sold me. I need to watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, all right. Very different kind. And, and written by a guy named Joe Esterhaus, who's written, like, a bunch of, like, terrible movies. Like, Showgirls and, um, <laughs> seriously. And really? space, uh, Starship Troopers. Okay. And yet he wrote this really personal movie, Telling Lies in America, that I just think resonates in, in every way. Interesting. At least for me. Okay. Here we go, two and one! Two, I kind of wonder if my two is your one, maybe? Uh, my number two is, uh, quite literally, you know, the definition of a coming-of-age movie. <laughs> uh, my number two is Boyhood. Nice. So, uh, yeah, Boyhood, um, to me it's no question that it's considered one, even though he starts young, oh, yeah. you know, so. Um, 100%. Like you said, quite literally. Quite literally, right? So, uh, yeah, Boyhood is, um, I, uh, I've really come to love it. I've seen it probably five times now, um, which is a lot of hours of uh, my yeah, life. Yeah, it's know, a long but... movie. <laughs> Almost uh, three hours, right? Yeah. Or three hours? Two, it, it's like 2.45, yeah. yeah. But, um, man, I, I love Boyhood. I think it does such a good job of showing the smaller uh, moments of what it's like to grow up. I love that it... Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't focus on too many, you know, like big firsts, right? It's like every, every time you, uh, every time we switch age, you know, uh, it's usually, it's not, sorry, it's usually some kind of anecdote, right? Or kind of um, feels like a, a short film in a way for yeah. age, right? Of course you have connecting elements throughout, but I really love the way they did that instead of, uh, trying to create some dramatic through line that was going to, you know, dramatically alter Mason's life every yeah. year because uh, I just think it works so well to show the in-between. Yeah. Um, and I, my favorite scene in the movie is uh, when he is packing up to leave for college and uh, his mom, played by Patricia Arquette, um, has kind of a Oscar, breakdown. Oscar winner for That's true. this movie. Yeah, uh, this performance won an Oscar, yeah. Uh, and I, I love the, uh, the line she says, which is that uh, just, I thought there would be more. Um, and I think this movie captures that really well because life, I think, always feels like you're about to start living it. At least it has to me in my first 25 years, right? It always feels like um, I'm in some kind of prelude and, like, you know, that things are about to start feeling like I expect life to feel like. And, of course, it never comes. And I, I've learned by now I probably shouldn't expect it to, but that feeling's always going to be there. And I, I think Boyhood captures that better than, than any other movie I've seen. And uh, I, I love the idea that it's the, the smaller in-between moments that make up our lives, right? Rather yeah. than waiting for these big milestones to come along, we should... Uh, and I love that the movie doesn't rub your face in this, but I think it, it's quietly sending the message, like, appreciate uh, appreciate the small moments. Um, and uh, that's what life is. So. Yeah, let's, let's stop the serpentine just so I can talk about Boyhood, which is my number one. Okay. Um, and Jake... That was so eloquent that I legitimately am not going to say much. I know I say that sometimes, <laughs> and I do. But I just want to go back to Jake's comment. Again, Boyhood was my number one. And it's because of a lot of what he said. Um, there's a movie called 32 Short Films about Glenn Gould that I'm particularly fond of. And it's about Glenn Gould, who was a composer. And it's all these short vignettes about his life as opposed to telling a normal biopic. Um, it's not documentary-like. Oh, no, it is kind of documentary-like, actually, like, like Boyhood. Um, but all I want to say about Boyhood is when you said it's quite literally coming of age, like I've never gotten over how impossible it is to shake how realistic Boyhood feels because of the format. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's the moments where they did try to have a big thing, like him dealing with like an abusive stepdad and stuff. 
that I resisted more because I wanted to live in all of those quiet moments mm -hmm. that feel even more real because you have this kid from year to year to year to year. And some might step in and say, we'll see a documentary. Like, yeah, you're right. There are documentaries like the 7-Up series or whatever they're called where they have 42-Up mm -hmm. and stuff where they follow these guys all the way through. You're right. But the, the fusion of documentary and filmmaking, I think actually, to me, created something even more artistic and moving yeah. because it was let's combine the form of documentary with our ability to create art that speaks to experience. Yeah. And I thought that that, you know, made this the quintessential coming of age movie is nice. like, we're going to take all those elements. We're not going to have a driving, you said through line. Um, we're not going to have a plot that feels like, you know, Oh, it's culminating in this. Mm -hmm. We're going to have great written moments like you mentioned. Um, and we're just going to let it speak for the human experience or the growing up experience on its own. And it, and it does. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm so glad that yeah, we yeah. both had it so high. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Okay. And now you get to finish My... us off. I, there was no reason for me to have you go one and then yeah, come back it's to true. Boyhood. It's true. Which I almost had number two because of my esteem for the feel right. of Telling Lies in America. So, but I'm glad. I'm glad we were able to leave. Yeah. So what's what's your number one? My number one was on your list already. I, I have a. I had a guess only because of how you responded to what I think is. Do you want to guess? Stand by me. It's not actually. Oh no! That <laughs> my, is what I was gonna guess. Really? My number one is Moonlight. Oh, I should have guessed that. Uh, and I'm so glad we both didn't. No, you masked it well, actually. Language. Yeah. Because with Stand by Me, you had kind of a bright reaction that made me think yeah. that was coming up. That later. was more because like I didn't consider it, and I was like, oh, oh what a good it. choice. Yeah. And but... Moonlight, you completely masked it well, though. Yeah, I did, and I was slightly surprised you chose Moonlight. Um, I guess I've never known how much you actually like love it. I thought you just like really enjoyed it that year, but you were kind of own like, it. It's fine. And okay. and I think we spoke of this once, just once. The second time I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh! And I, it was number four on my list of that year. Mm -hmm. So I've always had high esteem, and just appreciated everything Barry Jenkins accomplished. Yeah. But the second time was more of like, oh, this is kind of a transcendent thing that I I didn't fully appreciate. And some of that is just, that happens to me a lot. It's the sure. second time when I fully I do think understand. the second time is probably the best time with the movie. It is. <laughs> and I, 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 wanted, I want to, I, you know, I've said it. I want to write an article about that. I want to write an essay. But I keep not doing it because I feel like I'm not, I don't have the tools to say what I want to say about that second time of watching right. a movie. But tell us about Moonlight and why you have it number one. Um, Moonlight. Um... Gosh, I mean, you 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 said it so well, but um, I love that it functions a little bit like Boyhood, but also completely not right. Yeah, Where we yeah, have yeah, yeah. the three acts, and we go to see Shiro and the character at three different ages, portrayed by three different actors. Um, but uh, kind of like you were saying, right? I mean, there are uh, there are really there's one aspect of it I relate to, I guess. Um, but overall, it's like an, a window into someone's. Uh, life that I that I don't have yeah. right and and that uh, I, and I'm still able to empathize with that character and see what a different coming of age experience is like as far as you know dealing with a mom that's addicted to drugs um, but then yeah there's also the element of, of sexuality and uh, I think I, I do have that uh, kind of heavy um, you know I don't know not like false nostalgia in a way, but kind of just being like, oh, it's just interesting to see 
what this, what it was like growing up gay for this person, yeah. right? Which is like similar to me in these ways and different in other ways. But uh, I think we mentioned Love, Simon earlier, um, you know, as being a great, important step forward. Moonlight is a much more... It was a smaller scale step because it wasn't a big. They weren't. They didn't market the movie it. As, wasn't as you know popular. Sure, I, I mean it's rated R, right? And it wasn't. Yeah, it just wasn't marketed in the same way. That, yeah, 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 yeah. That Love Simon was, but for me, it was a big deal to see this kind of like you know big Oscar prestige movie that is um, best picture winner ultimately and best picture winner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that in in some ways captured very specific experiences and thoughts and feelings I'd had. Yeah. But in other ways also allowed me to see it like completely different from my own. So Yeah, yeah. Um and I, I love that uh again to contrast it with Boyhood, which I love both both of them, but uh, Moonlight does have more plot. It's still not, you know, the plottiest of movies, sure, but no. I do I do like what you mentioned about how it allows us to see why this character becomes what he becomes yeah. because of what he goes through. So. And it, and it's interesting because he becomes something at the end. So he came of age, made some decisions. Because of what he dealt with, he becomes this thing. But there's the, not promise, suggestion that he may go in a different direction yeah. again. Right? That it's the process isn't done yet. And I, you talked about that earlier, right? Expecting, 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 expecting. And I'm a little bit further on than you are. And the process is never done. And I like how Moonlight gets to show us all the aspects, right? This coming of age, the high school part, the dealing with all of these different things, and these great actors, these young actors who get to portray that. But then the idea that like, and that sent him to a place, and guess what? That may not be the end either. You may get sent to another place. You may get sent to another place. Which is also signaled in movies like Mud and Way, Way Back and Francis Hall. Like you talked about in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. where like the coming of ages that we have, not to be too corny or whatever, but they're going to continue to cycle yeah. throughout, no matter where we are, no matter if we're dealing with, you know, a drug addicted mom or being black and gay when sometimes the African American culture, at least suggested by Barry Jenkins, I'm not going to pretend to know that sure. experience has been not as, has been more exclusive of that sometimes. Yeah. Um, so sexuality plays into it too. You talked about obviously that being a thing that was, that spoke to you. Um, no matter what we go through, we're going to cycle, we're going to cycle, mm -hmm. we're going to cycle. The, the coming of ages are never going to end. Yeah. Hopefully we'll find more stability than we have in high school. Yeah. High school is such an unstable and roller coastery time. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, the, w one of my favorite things about Moonlight is just how subtle and nuanced it is. You used the word nuanced it's earlier. Such a, it's, uh, yeah, I, I just love that we constantly see effects of how Chiron is treated and pressured, but it's it never boils down to like a kind of like the conversations we see in a lot of these other movies, which there's a place for, but the, just kind of the whole, you know, teenagers griping and, you know, uh, complaining about their like, struggles and trials in detail. I just like that Moonlight's very much... Chiron's a quiet person, and because of that, we just see these quiet, subtle effects on him, and, yeah. uh, and I think it's awesome. I think maybe the last thing to just say is I think we, we tried to celebrate a lot of the subtle, nuanced portrayals, and I think those are the best coming of age. And, like, something like I had on my list, Can't Hardly Wait, is not that way. It's not. It's not subtle or nuanced, mm -hmm. and that's why it was number 10, because it was very personal tapped into something for me 
But I think we really wanted to celebrate those because that's what life is made up of. And that's what we, that's what I remember from high school now. Yeah. There were a lot of self-conscious moments. There are a lot of, but it's those little ones that ended up sticking out to me that I, that I fall back on, that I think about a lot. It's not the, the moments that felt big that weren't. It's the tiny yeah. ones that, that ended up meaning more with, with friends or, or, you know, unexpected friends or. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly, which is why I think probably most coming-of-age movies, especially the very straightforward standard ones, are more so than just portraying what, you know, a realistic high school experience. I think they strike a balance of taking feelings and elements that you are familiar with, but then turning them into a bigger drama, maybe, with more, you know, uh, big turns or things, you know, fights you wish you'd had more exactly with your best friend or whatever it is, right? And so... I think that's why they work so well, probably, is because they, they take just enough reality and then twist it into yeah. what you something more interesting or what you wish you'd had. But then I love that we also have things like Moonlight and Boyhood that, that focus on the, yeah. the smaller things. Well, it's hard to articulate the emotions of growing up. Yeah. And I've tried to, like, I, I mean, I don't write that much, but I used to write short stories and try, and I've, I've dabbled in. It's, I never feel like I can do it justice. So anytime I can see a movie that that articulates what I wish I could, mm-hmm. I just wanna, you know, yeah, so I good. just wanna clap. So yeah, I just awesome. realized uh, people might be disappointed when like uh, I feel like this particular uh, person really est- established coming of age movies as we know them today, and we didn't mention any of his movies, John Hughes. But John Hughes. <laughs> So sorry if you were like ready for a rundown of Breakfast Club, Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles, yeah, 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 Ferris yeah. Bueller, Pretty in but, Pink. Yeah, but uh, apologies. Sorry, apologies. I've only seen a few of those. Actually, by the way. me too. I haven't seen a ton. So. Yeah, I've seen Breakfast Club and I've seen Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. We own Pretty in Pink now. We just got it recently, and I haven't I watched it yet. And I never saw Sixteen yes. Candles. Right. Same. Yeah. Sorry, John Hughes. I know yeah. he's dead, for the record. I know. That's... But sorry, everyone who loves John Hughes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll thank you that was fun that you was did, good, yeah. thank you you did a great job i know jake doesn't need my like approval but like <laughs> i like this i like this topic for us kind of getting to explore some of the things that spoke to us you know like when we did our like our life as moviegoers or whatever that same type of thing but all through the lens of these fictional experiences created by other filmmakers yeah the next one we're going to do hopefully as long as we can get with eric wood is uh, we're going to rank david fincher in the next couple weeks and then it is conceivable sometime we will, the podcast will come in a different form or in a different place. We'll, I think our SoundCloud account is ending next month. Is it? Okay. I think. Sometime in June, I think. Or maybe t- in June. <laughs> I should make sure to get this posted before Friday <laughs> yeah. just in case. Ideally, and if that happens, they'll all disappear for a little while right. and we'll have to figure out what's okay. going to happen. If we make yeah. the change successfully, unless you always, unless you literally listen to us on SoundCloud, you won't have to make any change. Yeah, that's we'll, the hope. We'll uh, still show up in the regular place on iTunes. And yeah. Would we be else. able to end up putting these there? Yeah, do you think? and old episodes too. Oh, look mm-hmm. at you. Oh, Jake yeah. in the It'll house. It'll be fine. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, David Fincher. I'm really, really excited. I've never, I've never considered his career as uh, what's better than what. And there's one or two I haven't seen. No, that may not be true. I need to watch like five. Oh, yeah, one or two I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, I just remembered. Um, So I'm excited. So sometime in June. Thank you so much. We'd love to hear about your coming-of-age movies uh, that you love, or we'd love to hear if you watch some of these. So let us know. Bye.